Good morning. I am so happy to be here sharing with you. We've been in this series called We Are Joy. And Pastor Jake has introduced this series, and it's all about who we are as a church and who we want to be as a church. So I figured that if we're starting off a series, or if we're in a series about getting to know who we are as a church, well, who is Joy Church? I am Joy Church. You are Joy Church. We are Joy Church. So I figured, hey, maybe just a little bit getting to know me. And I had this thing happen this week. I had a major personal revelation, a major personal revelation this week. And have you ever, y'all ever had like some big revelation? Like you like live in your life a certain way and then you end up getting alone and spending a little bit too much time alone in your thoughts, which is a dangerous thing, by the way, at least if you're me. Very dangerous game. But you sit alone with your thoughts a little too long, and you realize something like totally new. And this week, I realized I'm the most boring man alive. <laughs> the most boring man alive. All right. And this is my realization. But y'all got to realize, I'm not saying that I'm bored, uh, just that I am the most boring man alive. So I'm not bored, just boring, which is, actually makes it worse, if you think about it. Uh, like... I'm not bored with being boringness, like, or with being bored, like, e- even, like, my own boringness doesn't bore me. That's how boring I am. Uh, like, like, I'm totally fine with it, uh, which I guess is, like, worse. You know, like, I'll be in a conversation with somebody, and I'll be like, yeah, like, what's up? Like, it's like small talk, like, me- meeting somebody, like, what do you do for fun? And they'll, like, rattle off this long list, like, Oh, yeah, you know, like, I'm, I'm into hiking, like, I, I, I snowboard, I do these things, I do that thing. I'm really into, like, writing short stories. I don't know who you are. But uh, anyway, I'm like, I've got this thing that I do, and they're like, yeah, what about you? And I'm like, why did I ask that question? I knew it was going to come back to me. Uh, and then there's, like, this long pause, and in my head there's a conversation going. It's like, well, you know, like, I played basketball quite a bit a year ago, and, like, you used to enjoy, you used to like hike, uh, like three years ago you got like really into reading. Uh, and then I come back, food, you know, food. I like food. That's my thing. I'm a food guy. You know, I really like food, don't we all, like, which is like the most boring thing to be your thing because it's the thing that every, it's everybody's thing. I'm like, yeah, food. You know, I'm into food, water, it's good stuff. Uh, as long as it's been run through beans first. Uh, but, uh, you know, beans and water, come on. Beans and water, coffee, hot chocolate, chili, beans and water. They got a good thing going. That's, that's, a, that's like a good peanut butter, jelly, beans and water, like good relationships. Am I right? Uh, anyway, anyway uh, uh, but that's like, that's the, the thing about me. That's the least unique thing that can be about a person. Like, yeah, I'm into food. You know what I mean? Like, if there were one cultural, universal thing that everybody on the earth is into, it's like everybody on the world, in, like on this planet is like, hey, what's the deal with the weather? And they're also like, I like food. Uh, it's like the whole thing. Like, everybody, every person that you ever talk to, they're going to be into two things, weather and food. Uh, and like that's, uh, so it's like the, like the, the least unique thing that can be about a person. I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm into food. Uh, but it's like there's, that's like the thing. Everybody's about food. It, and here at Joy Church, we've been talking about this like culture, right? What is, what is, what are, what are people about, right? Universally, we're culturally about food. You can see it. Every culture has their own food, all, all this stuff. But universally, we're about food. 
So we've been talking about what's the culture of Joy Church. We are Joy Church, but what does that mean? What are, what's like the underlying thing that that can describe? Like if, if, if you're like, man, what are the Joy Church people just like about? Like what are, are, what are we about? We've been talking about culture. Who are we? Now, if the world got together, they'd be like, we're about food and weather. And, and you can see this. There's like this weather obsession. How many people, have you guys ever been to raising hands? You can raise your hands at home too. Uh, You've been to like LA, San Diego, Southern California. Anybody from Southern California? Oh, okay, so you'll you'll get this one. You'll, yeah, a couple people. You guys will you guys will get this one. You go to Cal- to LA, which honestly has the blandest weather in the world. It's nice, but bland, right? It's like 75 always. And but but you go to LA. We, my my wife and I went and visited LA recently. Well, not recently now. It was a while ago. We planned to go back, but couldn't. Uh, so we went to L.A., and we're there. It was like the last weekend of May through the beginning of June. And literally everywhere you go, you, this was like the elevator talk of the town. It was like, yeah, you know, it's May gray. And then the, like a couple days later, like, yeah, June gloom. You know how it is. And they're like, like, this is like this big thing. You know, it's like it's because there's like a little bit of fog that rolls in in the morning, and then it's burned off by noon. And they're like... Yeah, you know, it's just that time of year again, May Gray. And, and it's, but it's so funny. It's like the universal topic of conversation, even though that place has no right to talk about weather, right? Like, LA, if you're in L.A., you don't get to talk about weather. Like, it's not something that you get to talk about. You don't have it. So you don't get to talk about weather. But even them, they're, they're like, they get the tiniest bit of weather. They're like, May Gray. Like, even the weather that they get is so predictable that they name it after the month. Like, like here we, we could be like, yeah, it's, it's July downpours. Yeah, it's yeah, it's 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 April snow. Yeah, it's 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 January 80 degrees. You know how it goes. Like <laughs> like you, you you don't have weather. You don't get to talk about it, L.A. So stop talking. Anyway, uh, I said it to the camera because nobody here is in L.A. So if somebody's watching in L.A., stop talking about the weather. You don't have any. Uh, but as a human culture, we're into like we're into like weather and food, right? It's like the things we can talk about. Uh, but for for Joy Church, what is that thing? What are we like super into? What do we like, what do we talk about? What, what's, what's like, what makes this gathering a gathering? Like, like what's the thing that we all have in common? You ever get into like a new friend group or, or like start hanging out with new people and you're like, what's this like group about? Because groups gather around things. You're like, what's this group about? Like, what, what am I allowed to say? What am I not allowed to say? What's like cool here? What's not cool here? Right? You, you get into those like, like kind of ideas trying to figure out different groups. Like, but what is Joy Church? The us, these people right here, what are we about? What is our culture? What are we just super into? And, and, and I want to posit this, that we are super into. What, what we should be about is a hunger for the word of God and a thirst for the presence of God. But not just that, but fulfilling it in our own personal relationship with God. A hunger for the word of God and a thirst for the presence of God. Like these should be like that, that universal cultural thing that we are about. Like, 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 just like it's food or just like it's water is a hunger for the word of God and a thirst for the presence of God. As humans, we're like obsessed with, with needs, right? And you can see this. There's like, like we're obsessed with food, weather, or, or, or sorry, sorry, food, uh, shelter, and clothing, right? Which is why we keep trying to spend more and more money on it, right? It's like, it's like food. How much more can we spend on a burger at a restaurant? Like, how, can, can we go spend $18 on a burger? Can we go spend $19 on a burger? We, we're always trying to spend more money and time finding the good food. We're always, can, can I spend $300,000 on a house? Can I spend $600,000 on a house? How much more can I spend 
on a house can, and then it, like, like clothing. Y'all ever hear of sneaker culture? Like, like sneaker culture, perfect example of this. Like how much can I spend on my shoes? Right? We're obsessed with like our needs, food, shelter, clothing. Uh, but we need to make a shift into bringing, that, bringing the presence of God into that need category. We need to shift to viewing the word of God and the presence of God as a need. And that's how it come, becomes part of our culture. Have you guys ever noticed that we're, we're, I'm just going to keep talking about food because obviously I'm boring and that's the only thing I care about. You know what I mean? Uh, y'all ever notice that the more you eat, the more hungry you get? And the less you eat, the less hungry you get? Like over time? Like if you eat three meals a day, you need three meals a day. You eat two meals a day, you need two meals a day. You eat nine meals a day, you need nine meals a day. Like if you eat a plate this big, you need a plate this big. If you eat a plate this big, you need a plate. You, you, you guys get what I mean, right? The more you eat, the more often you get hungry. The less you eat, the less often you get hungry. And you see this, like if you've ever like gone a long time without eating, like a couple days, and you're like, I am so hungry, and then you're like, uh, the first meal, you like fantasize the whole time you're not eating. Like, like as Christians, we fast sometimes. Uh, it, 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 it's, a, it's a different thing. We'll talk about it some other day. But sometimes as Christians, we fast and we just don't eat food for a little while. And so you're like going a couple days without eating food, which you actually live, which was a shock to me. Uh, and you're like, okay, it's been two days. I haven't eaten a thing. And then you go and you're like fantasizing about your first meal. You're like, man, I'm going to have like burger with like five patties on it and like three pounds of fries and and you like sit down and you take like two bites of it and you're just like stuffed to the brim right you're just like stuffed to the brim because that's how our bodies work and and it's the same way spiritually think about how unhealthy it would be to push out how often you eat Uh, keep pushing it oh I, I can go two days without eating I can go three days without eating I can go seven days without think about pushing it out until you could go a whole week without eating and that you ate once a week. You're like, well, it's my eating time again. Like you could do that for a little while, but think about how unhealthy that would be for us, how malnourished we would be, how, how de- deficient we would be in different vitamins, th- things like that. Think about how unhealthy that is, but yet we do this in our relationship with God. We, satis- we, we satisfy ourselves on a Sunday morning worship experience with three songs and, 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 a, and a clap at the end and then, and then a, little, a little message with, with like three verses from the Bible right? We, we satisfy ourselves with this like one Sunday morning experience. You're like, yeah, I talked to somebody in the hallway. So that's like Christian community to me. And right, we, we like satisfy ourselves on, on, on this like one time a week thing. But think about how unhealthy that would be if we considered eating like that. No, we, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't do that, right? Think about how unhealthy it is if we, if we satisfy ourselves alone on a Sunday morning experience with God, as Joy Church, we want to be a people that hunger for the word of God and thirst for the presence of God and fulfill that in our personal time with God. All right, I want to talk about, uh, I want to get into the Bible here a little bit before we get too far talking about food. Uh, and then, but before I do, I, I just want to give a moment and, and ask everybody to lean in. And here's why. We're about to get into the word of God, the word of the creator of the universe, right? And we're, we're about to talk about the word of God. So I want to encourage you, lean in. There's something for you to get here today. And not because I'm some great speaker, or so, you know, I'm so amazing or anything like that. In fact, whether I like speak eloquently or just like bumble through a couple points, the creator of the universe still wants to speak to you this morning. God 
wants to speak directly to you this morning. So, so as we're going through this message, lean in and say, God, what am I supposed to get? What's that piece that you want from me or, or, or the whole thing or, or, or whatever? What are you speaking to me this morning? Because I guarantee that if you posture yourself in a position to hear the word of God, the creator of the universe who loves you deeply wants to speak to you this morning. All right. We're going to go, let's get into the Bible a little bit. There's a book of the Bible called Exodus. We're going to be in chapter 33, verse 11. We're going to jump around a little bit. We're going to start in verse 11. It says this. It says, Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Now, we're, we're going to read some other things first, but first I want to just tell you what's going on here. So we've got inside the tent of meeting, we've got Moses, who is like the leader of these people, the Israelites. They've got God's people. He decided that he was going to, to bring his change to the world through these people and accomplish what he wanted to accomplish through these people. And, and it says that the leader there, that's Moses, was in face-to-face speaking to God as, he, as one speaks to a friend, and he'd return to a camp And this is one of our first introductions to this character named Joshua. It says, Joshua would remain behind in the tent of meeting a little bit longer. All right? So what what we have going on here in our our culture, we would consider this time prayer, right? What what Moses is doing, he's in there, he's talking to God. We call this this prayer, if uh, if you've ever heard of that term. We call it prayer, right? Talking to God. And it says, Joshua would stay behind a little bit longer. I want to jump a little bit forward in the story too. This is actually when Moses passed the baton off to Joshua and Joshua becomes the leader of these people and God comes and he speaks to Joshua and he says this. He says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. I want to take a little bit of time to examine this this passage of Scripture here. So what we have, again, we've got God talking to Joshua, and he says, he says this. He says, be careful to obey. This is, he's giving like a commission to lead these people, right? This is like, this is like, uh, like, your, like your son just graduated college or just graduated high school, and you're like sending him out into the world or something like that, right? This is like a big moment. And, and, and God says this to Joshua. He says, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Now this law that he's talking about here when it says the law, he's talking about what would be the equivalent of our Bible today, right? It, it, like to them that this was like this was the word of God that was a lot smaller because we're reading about some of the stuff that was written right now, right? But it, it, was a, it was a small portion of what we consider the Bible today. So essentially what he's saying is be careful to obey all the words in the Bible. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. And then he says, keep this book always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. So I want want to take a little notice of what it says here. So there's, if you've been around Christianity or heard about Christianity, you've probably uh, either heard it from one of two ends of a spectrum or 
You've heard both ends of the spectrum, or, or, but there's a spe- spectrum that a lot of people talk about in Christianity, and, and it's this, this idea that people will say, no, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship, right? No, it, it's, it's not about all the rules, it's about, uh, it's about God's grace on your life. And, and, and there's, there's truth statements in here, there's these like two polar spectrums, there's like the religious side, that's like there's all these rules, and, and God wants you to follow them, and you, you have to do everything. And then there's this other side that's like, God has grace on you. There's mercy for your mistakes. There's, uh, there's a re- personal relationship to be had with God. And a lot of people will like bounce between these two sides, right? But there's actually a, a, a perfect tension in the middle of this where, it's, where it says right here, keep the book of the law always on your lips, right? If, if you've been a Christian for a little while, you've probably heard you should read your Bible. It's like a thing you should do. And you should obey what it says, that's a thing you should do. Meditate, but, but right here it says, keep it always on your lips. In this culture, it was actually an oral culture, meaning uh, like, like it was way pre-printing press, right? People weren't, weren't reading a bunch of stuff on books or on their iPads or stuff like that. It was an oral culture, so they had this stuff written down. They had the law written down, but it was really about memorizing it and talking about it, right? So people would recite it uh, to other people. They would talk about it. Like it was, it was orally known. It, was, it wasn't something that you read a bunch of times. It was like when you were ta- doing things with the Bible, you were talking about it, right? It was passed down orally for the most part. So when he says, keep it always on your lips, that's essentially like, like us say, saying, hey, read it, listen to it, talk about it. Keep it always in your, the forefront of your mind. Meditate on it day and night. That you may be able to, that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Right? So it's, it's not like this, read it and, and obey. It's saying like, hey, no, meditate on this word. Read this word. Be, spend time in the presence of God so that you can do everything that's written in it. So that you can. There's an empowerment here that, 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 that's a little bit different that, that helps us find the middle of this spectrum between like, oh, like, oh you need to do all the, all the things right. And, oh, you, there's, just, there's just grace for you and you don't have to do anything. And, oh, it's a relationship. It's a religion. Like, it, it's, it's both. There's, there's, this, uh, there's this meditation, keeping the word of God in the forefront of our mind that enables us to do the things that are written in it. it says, and then it says it goes even farther. And it says, then you will be pr- prosperous and successful. That's a hard word for me. may not be a hard word for you, but it's a hard word for me. And it says, then you will be prosperous and successful. So uh, there, there's a, like a lot going, a lot of people will talk bad and they'll say this word prosperity gospel where people will, are like, well, it's, it's not true that just because you like give money to God or do things for him that you're going to get all this money and good stuff in return. Well, no, but I guarantee you right here from the Bible, it says that if you keep the word of God at the forefront of your mind, if you meditate on it and, so that you can do it, then at least in God's eyes, at least in the way that God measures things, at least in, in, with God's weights, you will be prosperous and successful. So we can talk about what that means, but according to God, you will be prosperous and successful. It says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. All right, I, I want to I skip down a little bit further into verse 16. Of, that, of Exodus 33 that we were in earlier. And it goes like this. It says, it's Moses this time. Moses is talking to God. 
And he says, how will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. For your presence sets me and everybody else apart from all the other people on the earth. What, what's Moses saying here? He's saying, God, if you're, not, if you're not like with me all the time, if your presence is not in and through me, how are people going to know that your favor is on me? It says it, Moses knows that there's something different about a person who's, who has the presence of God inside of them all the time. And he's not talking about like, oh, you go to church on Sunday and then, and then you've got like this residual presence of God throughout the week. No, he's talking about the presence of God in and through you all the time, on, around, with, as you go about your day because of a personal time spent with God. He says, if you're not with me everywhere I go, I don't want to go with you or I, or I don't want to go without you, right? There's this, there's this knowledge that he has that like everything that makes me special is because of the presence of God in, around, and through me every day. All right. So, at this point, I, I, would, I would hope that, 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 that I've convinced you that, that, this, that we need to be a people that hunger for the word of God and thirst for the presence of God. And that we, and that we need to satisfy that in our personal time with God. But... That's a little abstract. I want to get down to like, okay, what does that actually look like? I want to get down to like, okay, what, what does it mean to do this? What does it mean to have a relationship with God that's not just a Sunday morning experience to a Sunday morning experience like dragging throughout the week? <laughs> uh, sorry, I got distracted. I've got a little bit of a crazy mind. But uh, anyways... Uh, what does it mean to be that kind of a person? What does it mean to have that kind of relationship with God to where we're not just like going from uh, one Sunday morning and, and where we come, we get our, our, our worship and we get our, 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 our little sermon from some guy that looks like he's got like the, the drug version of a jacket. Like, do you, do you know what I mean? Uh, there's this, you know, like the drug prevention programs in school. You know what I mean? Uh, like they're like, these are your lungs. Uh, normally, and then these are your lungs on cigarettes. It's like this is your this is your liver normally, and then this is your liver liver on alcohol. This is like this is your jacket normally, and then this is your jacket on Kyle. Uh, <laughs> but like you don't just come here to see some guy with a torn up jacket uh, give you like a little sermonette, and then you get to go about your week. So how do we develop a hunger for the Word of God for ourselves? How do we develop a thirst? for the presence of God, for ourselves. And, and, and I've got a couple ideas here for you, and i got a couple takeaways. And I just want to start off right here. I think that we do it with one daily Bible reading, daily prayer, and a well of worship. And I want to get into what those things mean and how we do them. All right? Daily Bible reading. Now, I, I want to get, like, super practical here. It's like you go from ethereal, yes, we need to have a hunger for the Word of God, what does that look like? Well, it looks like daily Bible reading right here. What did, what did God say to Joshua? He said, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. 
So how do we develop a hunger for the word of God? It's got three, I, I got three ways that you do it, and they have to all be done together. So you got to do them all. Don't do two of them. I'm just kidding. Uh, you do all three. All right. One, discipline. Two, baby steps. Three, grace. Discipline, baby steps, and grace. Discipline. We got to do it every day. It's daily Bible reading. You got to do it every day. You're like, even on Thursdays? Yes, on Thursdays. Uh, but you got to do it every day. Even if you just start with five minutes. Reading your Bible every day develops a hunger. We talked about earlier, we talked about like uh, how unhealthy it would be if you only ate once a week. But we talked about if you, the less often that you eat, the less hungry you get. The more often that you eat, the more hungry that you get. And man, I, I know this story. Like if, if you were going to eat a like great steak, you wouldn't stop eating the last, last like three days before. Or all, some people, actually some people will. And let me tell you, it's a mistake. You don't do it that way. You don't do it that way. Uh, and a lot of people will do this. There's this restaurant that we like to go to. It's called the Cowboy Dinner Tree. Has anybody heard of the Cowboy Dinner Tree? It's like out in the middle of nowhere, past Bend. You go out there. You drive through the desert for like 45 minutes, and there's this little shack on the right. I don't even know if they have electricity. I think they do, uh, but barely. Uh, you got this like awesome fireplace. It's, it's this old deer hunting shack. It's like nearly falling apart, but it's amazing. And so you, you pull into this place that's literally in the middle of nowhere, and they've got two things on, your, on the menu, and you have to have ordered them in, in advance. They've got two things. They've got a whole chicken and a 32-ounce steak. If you order the chicken, you either have some issue that you can't eat beef, or you are seriously messed up. You order the steak. You order the steak. That's what you order. Don't order the chicken. Don't fall into the trap. You order the steak. I heard a lot of people that were like, man, if it's one of the only two things on the menu, it must be a really good chicken, but it ain't that good of a chicken. It's not steak. Anyway, so you got the 32-ounce steak, and, and, and it's, it's, like, it's like the whole deal. It's like a five-course meal. You got, you got the beans. You got the rolls. You got the salad. You got the baked potato. You got dessert, coffee, lemonade, all the whole, the whole deal. And uh, a, a lot of people, you, you're, you make this plan to go there. You have to make a reservation. You make this plan, and a lot of people are like, man, I haven't eaten for two days prepping for this steak. I'm going to eat that whole thing. And, and man, that's a big mistake because these people, they come, and they don't even make it to the actual steak. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, what you do. I was going to go there, and I'm a man of research. So my friend and I, we looked up how do these tiny competitive eaters eat so much food? You ever seen competitive eating? Don't. It's gross. Uh, it's like the worst thing in the world to watch. But sometimes you do. And there's these tiny people, right? They're always, it's always tiny people. There's like no big people in competitive eating. It's always these tiny people, and they eat like 45 hot dogs. I don't even, probably more. I don't know how many they eat. But they eat insane amounts of food, right? And, I, and so I looked at it. I was like, well, I'm not even tiny. I got to be able to eat a lot of food. Like, I, I got I to I, I be able to do this. So, so we're like, okay, how do competitive eaters do it? And so what they do is over time, they ramp up how much they eat. They're like, man, I got this big competition. I'm going to ramp up how much I eat. I'm going to eat more and more and more. Day of competition, here's what you do. Eat a whole like head of lettuce, as much lettuce as you can possibly stuff into your mouth for breakfast. It's terrible. And then drink as much water as you can. Inflate that lettuce. Get it like really grown up. And then... Then you don't eat for the rest of the day. And, and, but you got that lettuce that's like blown out your stomach real big. And then you got plenty of room for all the gluttony that you want to have 
at the amazing steak place and you can eat like a 32-ounce steak and two bowls of beans and six rolls in a salad and dessert like I did. Uh, anyway, <laughs> and I felt amazing for five minutes and then very, 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 very bad. Uh, anyway, most uncomfortable that I've ever been. But what do you got to do? You've got to do it every day, right? You've got to read your Bible every day. And, and, and you can work up, right? But, but those, those gaps, they actually make you less hungry for the Word of God. And the more consistently you, you look at the Word of God, the more hungry you become for the Word of God, all right? Number two, start slow. I can't tell you how many times I, I, I've had people that get like really excited about God and they want to make this big commitment. I'm going to read my Bible two hours a day. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm the youth pastor here, and, and that means I'm, I'm a pastor for like 6th through 12th grade. And if you know anything about young people, you know they are like really excited about things, right? They, they get excited about, uh, about things, and they, they, they like go all out for things when they go for them. They're like, I'm going to spend four hours a day shooting hoops at the basketball court. That was what I did as a young person. And let me tell you, when you were in the, like 10th grade and 5 foot and 95 pounds, Shooting however much you want to is not going to help you make the team. Anyway, uh, but <laughs> they're, like, they're like, I'm going to get so excited about this thing. I'm going to do so much. And I'm going to read my Bible for two hours a day. And, 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 and a lot of people do this. And, and the first thing that I tell people when they say that is, I was, don't. Don't do that. Slow it down. Start slow. Start with five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. You want to get to two, two hours a day? That's great. Work up to it. Because here's what happens when you make this big commitment. You end up disappointing yourself. You end up taking way too much time out of your day when you're not ready to do it right? When you start slow, you get to make commitments, make wins, start slow, don't get way overexcited, and go too big at the beginning. All right, number three, give yourself grace. Give yourself grace. What is grace? It, it, it just means, like, forgive yourself. Like, let it be okay. Give yourself the opportunity to make mistakes. So do you know how to turn what is a really good relational practice that's actually for your own good, which is reading your Bible, and turn it into actually what is a damaging religious ritual, it's to remove the grace. It's to remove the grace part of it, right, where we say, oh, I didn't read my Bible today. Oh, man, God must be, like, super irritated with me. Tomorrow I'm going to have to read it twice as much to catch up. Or, or, man, I'm just not doing very well. God's probably not as happy with me now. Let me tell you, you don't read your Bible for God. You read your Bible for you, and there's no such thing as catching up on devotions. There's no such thing as catching up on your daily Bible reading. You know, there's these daily, there's these like Bible reading plans. I don't know if you uh, have ever used one, but you can get a plan. And it's like, read this, and then the next day read this, and then the next day read this. And let me just tell you, there's no catching up. That's my one issue with the, with the Bible app is sometimes it'll tell you, you're two days behind, and you're like, man, I don't have, I was going to read my Bible for 10 minutes. I don't have 30 minutes to catch up. And it's like, you're eight days behind. You're nine days behind. You're like, well, I can't sit down for two hours and read the Bible, so I might as well just not at all. Right? There's no catching up when it comes to your daily Bible reading. Give yourself some grace. When you take the grace out of your relationship with God, your daily Bible reading, it becomes a meaningless ritual that only actually damages your relationship with God when you start to see him as this person who's disappointed in you, that doesn't think you did well enough, that doesn't think you read your Bible enough. Right? That's not what God thinks about you. Add the grace into your daily Bible reading. You mess up, don't worry about it. Start again the next day. Read some more. All right. Daily Bible reading. That's number one. Number two, daily prayer. 
We develop a thirst for the presence of God through daily prayer. It says this in the passage that we read. It says, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Face to face as one speaks to a friend. This is prayer. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's intimate. It's personal. It's, it's, it's speaking to God like you're speaking to a friend. To a friend. Like, that is what prayer is. And, and I want to talk about how to develop a prayer life. How to develop a prayer life. And, and there's, there's, there's three things I want to t- tell you to do. First, learn how. You don't know how to pray? No problem. That's actually the, one of the biggest reasons that Christians don't pray. Because they, they don't think they know how. They're like, yeah, I know how to pray for my food. But uh, I don't feel any like, deep connection when I do that, right? The, Christians don't know how to pray. And it's n- nothing to be ashamed of. But here's what you need to do. You need to find somebody that does pray. And say, hey, teach me how to pray. Teach me how to pray. Tell me, like, like let's pray together. I, I, I want to listen to you pray. Pray for me. Like, pray with me. Let's pray. Learn how to pray. Right? It's the biggest reason people don't pray is because they just don't feel comfortable doing it. All right. And I got a great tip to help you feel even more comfortable doing it. And that is get structure. Get structure in your prayer life. If, if you don't know how to pray, that's fine. Get some structure. Figure out, okay, this is how I pray. I'm just going to sit down. I'm going to pray. So a great structure for you to use, this is, what, this is what I do when I want to sit down and have some personal prayer time. Oftentimes, I will pray through the Lord's Prayer. Here's how it goes. Say, I don't know if you know the Lord's Prayer. You can Google it. It'll tell you what it is. It goes like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now you're like, oh, okay, I know what that is. This is what Jesus told his followers to do when they asked him how to pray. They're like, Jesus, how do we pray? And this is Jesus' followers, like the ones that were next to him, saying, how do we pray? So if you don't know how to pray, that's fine. Here's how. Jesus said, pray like this. And does that mean you just get in a closet and recite those things? No. Here's what I do. I, I look at that and I, and I say, okay, what is like the, what's like the meaning here? Our Father. Well, there's one right there. Like, like this is how I approach God. Like, this is like our greeting. Like, like God is my Father. We have an intimate relationship. He, he cares for me. He wants what's best for me. Like, like, like our, our Father. God, I come to you as a child. God, I, I love you. There's affection here, Right? Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Man, God, you are so great. You're perfect. You're amazing. You're so far above me. Like, you can, you can praise and worship God in your prayer life. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. God, I want what you want on earth as it is in heaven. God, I, I want what you want to be down here. God, reveal to me your plans. Reveal to me your, what you want for me. Reveal to me your mission for my life, your purpose for my life. God, your kingdom come. I want it right here. I want you to be you see what I'm saying? So, so you can take this structure that's the Lord's Prayer, and you can expand on it, and you can pray your personal prayers through it. Give us this day our daily bread. It's okay to pray for stuff. It's okay to want stuff and want God to want it for you, right? Give us this day our daily bread. God, I want something. It's fine, right? Pray through that Lord's Prayer and set a timer. That's my third thing, how to, set a prayer, how to have a prayer life. Set a timer because you'll either... Go one side or the other, but I, I, what I do is I'm like, I want to pray. Oftentimes, I'll set a 30-minute timer, and I'll say, I'm going to pray, and I'll have about five minutes of content, and I'll pray, right, and, and, and I'll pray, and I'll, and I'll seek God, but you don't have to fill the space. Set a timer. Pray. You, you know what's weird? You don't, like, fill all the space in your conversations with a friend, but if we're supposed to have a conversation with God like a friend, why do we fill the space? We're like, God, I thank you for everything. You're just, so, just perfect. I want money. And so, amen. Bless my food. Uh, right? And, and, and we're like, 
Prayer, content, and done. Over. No, leave some space in there. Leave some space in there. It's okay for there to be silence in your prayer. Wait for God to speak because you know what? Maybe he will. Maybe the creator of the universe actually wants a relationship with you. And if you give him the, 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 the time and the space to speak into your life, he will. And that's incredible. And that is so cool because we have that personal, that face-to-face, that ability, that ability to come to God like, like, a, like a friend, like a, like a father. And he wants what's best for us. And he will tell us what's best for us. Don't fill the space. So what do we, what do, we do? We learn how we get structure and we set a timer. I also want to talk about another way that we can develop a thirst for the presence of God. And that is to, to develop what, what I call a well of worship. A well, like, you know, like a water well. You, you, you dig down in the earth further and further and eventually you reach water. And then you can dig deeper and deeper and there's more water and there's deeper water and there's, there, there's cleaner water as, as you get deeper. There's a well of worship. Moses said this, he says, your presence is what sets me apart. Like that, that, that market, that thing that I am spending, ooh, sorry guys, that I'm spending time with you, that's what sets me apart. That's what makes me different. That's, what, that's how people can know that, that, that your blessing is on my life. So I want to spend time in God's presence. It wasn't residual presence from his time at church or the, his time in the tent of meeting. No, it was God is with me. So how do we deepen that well of worship? It's with time and it's with sacrifice. With time and with sacrifice. Here's, here's what it says here. It says, The young man who assisted Moses, Joshua, son of Nun, he would remain behind in the tent of meeting. That was prayer, right? And, and God blessed the life, life of Joshua. It actually says, says later on that anywhere he set his foot was going to be his ground, right? Joshua was the, 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 the leader that, that took the people of Israel into uh, and to take the land that God had for them. He was the one that, that, that brought them into this, into this, this, this uh, promised land. He was the one that, that established this community into, a, into a, a, a thriving place that God would eventually bring his son Jesus out of that to save the whole world, right? Joshua, this, this incredible leader, where did it start? In the, in the tent of meeting, staying behind a little bit longer developing that, that well of worship, developing that, that, that presence of, of God in his life, the ability to go back on that presence that when things get tough, I can go back to the well of worship. I've dug it out. I know how to access the presence of God. I've done this before. It's not new. It's not different. It's not foreign. This is, this is the well of worship that I have dug. The Bible, it talks about a sacrifice of praise and, and, and I remember digging the well of worship in uh, in my own life, I, 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 I do this. It's something that I do regularly. But I, I remember when I first started, like this this concept. Uh, man, I, I just I, I couldn't get enough of the presence of God. I remember uh, my sophomore year, no, my junior year of college, uh, being in a, a two bedroom apartment uh, with with this roommate, and I remember just waiting for him to leave. I remember just waiting for him to leave so that I could take over his Bluetooth speaker because it wasn't mine. And, and I, could put on, I could put on my worship music as, as, as loud as I could without the neighbors complaining. And I, and I could begin to listen to the words and I could begin to, to make that message my cry to God. To begin to develop that well of worship and, and, and learn how to worship and learn how to access the presence of God in my own living room digging that well of worship. And I, and I, I remember even going home to my parents and I couldn't, I couldn't take a week. I couldn't take a week 
going home from my parents for Christmas. I couldn't take a week without getting back to that well of worship. I couldn't take a week without spending that time in the presence of God. So I, I, I'd be at my parents' house, and, and, and they, uh, I, I remember waiting for them to leave. I'm a private person, so I, I, I have a hard time uh, doing that with people around me oftentimes. But I remember developing that well of worship. I remember waiting for my parents to leave the house so that I could put on some worship music so that I could get down on my knees so that I could lay down face, face first on the rental carpet that had been there for however many years. Uh, you know what I mean? I don't know where it had been, but I remember, I remember waiting for my parents to leave so that I could lay face down on their floor and, and, and cry out to God and dig that well of worship in my life so that, so that when I come back, it's here. When I've got a hard time, it's here so that when I don't know what else to do, it's here. So that, so that when I've had a, a dry season, it's, it's here. We got to dig that well of worship, and it takes time, and it takes sacrifice. It, 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 takes, it, takes, it takes saying, wow, if everybody's, everybody's gone. I'm, I'm not going to do my, my little hobby that is my thing when everybody else is gone. No, I'm going to turn on some worship music, and I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to play face first if that's, what, if that's what helps you. You know, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to take time to dig out that well of worship in my life and learn how to access the presence of God in a deeper way. So it's always there. As Joy Church, we are people that hunger for the word of God and thirst for the presence of God and fulfill that in our personal time with God. You know, I, I want to pray for you tonight to really, really cement this. I want, I want to pray a blessing over you real fast and then I'll finish up. God, I thank you for each and every person here. Lord, I thank you that you are our Father, that we have that connection to you, that we can come to you, we can pray. God, I, I thank you that, that we can, as we dig the well of worship, God, I, I thank you that, that there's always more that there's always more in your presence. There's always a deeper relationship with you. There's, there's always a new revelation that you want for us. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that, 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 that you have spoken to us and we can access it every single day in this Bible that you have given us. Lord, I pray that you begin to, to help people find a hunger for your word and, and a thirst for your presence. Lord, I, I pray that this week there would begin, begin to be major revelations in people's lives, big, big changes. God, I pray that people would, would, would feel the desire to open up that, that dusty old book and, and get something new and personal for themselves. God, I pray for a revival in Joy Church, not stemmed from a Sunday morning experience, but God, that's, that's popping up out of the individual changes in each and every person's life. But God, that's, 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 that's developing from you personally, changing people from the inside out and, and allowing them to change the world from their personal relationship with you. Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for this time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, y'all, before you, before you take off, I, I, every week there's people that come in here for the first time or for the 50th time that are looking for hope, looking for purpose, looking for, uh, looking for something. Maybe, they, maybe they, they know that they've got a hunger or a thirst, but they don't know how to fulfill it. If that's you this morning, if you, if you came in here looking for something, I, I just want to say you found it. I want to give you the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Now, what does that mean? It means that we all know that we have made mistakes and do make mistakes. But we want to accept that, that, that Jesus is the Son of God and that he was sent to pay that bill that we've racked up of our mistakes so that we could, again, have that relationship with the Father. 
so that, we, so, that we could, so that we could come in prayer and so that we could dig that well of worship and so that we can spend time in God's presence because of what Jesus has done for us. And if we just accept that he's paid that price for us, then we get to have this amazing relationship with God and we get to have eternal life. So cool. So if you want to make that decision this morning, I just want to encourage everybody, close your eyes, bow your heads. I want to make this a personal moment that people can have a a time with God. If you want to make that decision for the first time this morning, if you just want to raise your hand, we we just want to raise our hand so that you can make that commitment. Thank you. If there's anybody else, thank you. That's great. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take a time and we're going to pray for anybody who's made that decision or or, or we're going to pray as people who have made that decision and everybody can pray along with me and this is not a magic prayer it's not like you say these words and all of a sudden you're a Christian no but if you mean these these words and if you if you let them affect your life it's going to change your life forever all right we're going to pray and everybody can pray along with me dear Jesus I messed up I'm sorry would you help me to get things right Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God and that you died for my sins. Would you help me to follow you? Would you help me to have a deeper relationship with you? Jesus, thank you for all that you've done for me. In Jesus' name.